me. Take your Bible, please turn to 1 John. I've got several verses to read there. 1 John. While you're turning, let me say, Christopher Little is deployed this morning, along with a lot of other of our servicemen. I can't say any more than that, but I ask you to pray for them and him. Pray for our prayer list. We've got a lot of our regulars that are struggling this morning, and I ask you to just remember them in prayer, please. Uh, Stand and let's read a few verses. I probably should have introduced this a little bit, but you'll get it as we go. I've got four points out of this book of 1 John. John wrote five books of the New Testament. The Gospel of John tells you how to come into the way of the house of God, how to be saved. 1 John tells you how to feel at home when you get there with Jesus. And I want to look at this this morning. I've I've titled this message, Four Truths of Salvation. And I want to read it from uh, four of the five chapters here. First of all, let's look at... Chapter 1, verse 8. He said, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Chapter 2, verse number 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Then over to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Down to verse 13. 513. Some people say this is the key verse to the book of 1 John. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm I'm happy with it. But there's just more to it than that. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, please. Father, we come before your presence this morning as humble as we know how. God, we come in here today to worship you, to honor your name, to glorify the name of our blessed Savior. I pray, God, you'd help us to open our hearts to you, to your word, to your will, to your Holy Spirit, and let you direct us in this service this morning. I pray, God, it did not be be the preacher preaching or the singer singing, but it'd be Jesus in the midst, the Holy Spirit dealing in hearts as we yield ourselves to you and your will, to have, Lord, I just ask you to have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. And hold o'er our being right now absolute sway. 
Please take charge. Please help us to lay aside all that we're distracted with this morning and put our faith and trust and look to you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the great, holy, blessed name of Jesus. Thank you for that blood-stained name. Thank you, Lord, that it's a name that's above every name. And Lord, we come to you in his name this morning. For he alone is worthy. And we ask you to hear us today in his name. And I pray in his name. Amen. You can be seated. There's so much that we could say about the writings of John. I, I can't get it all said. But over in John chapter, the, the two key verses, I'll give you those two key verses. Over in the Gospel of John, he's going to say 98 times that if we believe on Jesus, he'd save us. We've already, I've preached on this before here. But in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, the key verses of the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is written for this cause. Listen to it. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. These signs are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Ninety-eight times he says, believe. I urge you this morning to open your heart and listen. Turn your heart to him and just inspect yourself right now and see if I've ever truly believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I'm not talking about a good teacher. I'm not talking about a historical figure. I'm talking about God of very God who came and left it all to go to Calvary for your sins and mine. Have you ever believed that He is your only Savior? Be honest with yourself. I'm not asking you to answer me, but you will answer God. And so I, I urge you to, to honestly face the question. Secondly, go over to 513. Again, we just read it. I'm so, I'm so scattered on my scriptures, I didn't know what to read for a text this morning. I, I've got a hundred texts. In 5.13 he says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So who did John write to? He wrote to us who have believed on the name of the Son of God as our Savior. First John is not written to a lost world. He doesn't say believe 98 times in First John. What he says in First John in five chapters, 40 times he says, you may know how you know. And so he says, I'm writing unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. What a blessing that God would allow this man to write these books first of all that we may be that we may understand that we can just believe and be saved but then secondly that down in life when we've failed and when we've had trouble and when when our hearts are heavy and when we're broken you don't you don't have to be in sin to be broken you can just grieve, be grieved in your spirit. You can be humbled in your heart. You can Things around you didn't go like you thought it would go. But when you get to that place, just understand it. 
Everybody that's saved can know they're saved. He said, I've written this so you can know. And so, uh, Gospel of John written so that we might have life. And the, the letter of John written so we can know that we have life. I, I want to look in these five chapters with you and look at these verses I've already read. At the truths, some of the truths of salvation. And down in verse number 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 27, he says this, The anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teach you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. When we come to the Bible, I had an old preacher tell me, when I first began to teach an adult class, he said, son, just find Jesus on the page of the book. When we come to the Bible, we ought to come with that aspect that I'm searching for something from him. Not so I can know more. Not so I can be, have some status, but so that I can know more about him. That I have a greater perspective of Him. I think sometimes we we uh, slide over. You know, somebody says, "Are you saved?" And we immediately go back to that place, that time when God dealt with us. We gave our heart to Him. He saved us. And what we forget about we we get in the mode of who I am. And he divided the whole, John's going to divide the whole kingdom into two people. It's either those that have believed and are saved or those who have not believed and are not saved. Everything in the world is hanging on that. But our salvation is not in ourselves. We didn't do anything to earn salvation. We can't do anything to keep salvation. What we can do is believe on Him and be saved. Just believe and trust in Him. He'll save us. Secondly, we can rest in Him to know the enjoyment of being a child of God. Uh, the, the reassurance when we failed or when the world has failed us, hey, I'm still saved. God is still on the throne. I can get a prayer through to my Father in the name of Jesus. That great, holy, precious name of Jesus. It accesses the throne of God for us. So, I've got four truths of salvation. First of all, look at 1, 8, and 9. Uh, we've already read it, so I'm not going to reread it. I'll read one of them at a time. Here's the truth. Every person in this world needs to be saved. Every, every living, breathing soul must be saved. You get it? He says it two times. He says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, that's not a plural, that's a singular. It talks about our nature. If we say we have no sin nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Every time you see the word truth in this book, you're going to see it a lot of times. He's talking about the scriptures. The, the truth is the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. And so, all we are is what we have received out of the truth of the Word of God. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the 
the truth of the Word of God is not in us. What does he mean by that? Our sin. Our sin singular. Why? We've created, we've, we've had hundreds of sins this week, right? We can't even name all the sins we've committed this week. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about our sin nature. Susie and I had two boys. You know, every baby comes into this world fist clenched and he's saying, mine, mine, everything in this. You say, mine, I want everything for me. Right? I was back there in the foyer a while ago and I watched everybody making over that little girl. And all she was interested in was getting a hold of dad and getting that Kool-Aid or whatever it is. We used to call it Kool-Aid. They don't drink that anymore. She wasn't interested in us. She was interested in herself. That's our nature. You can put, a, you can put those little old kids in the room. There can be a room full of toys. And you put two kids in that room with 25 toys on the floor and they're both going to fight over the same toy. They want, it's mine, right? That's our nature. That's the nature that we are all born with. What we have without teaching is our nature. The Bible says over in Psalm 51, verse number 5, I think it is, David said, in sin... Singular did my mother conceive me. It was not her sin. It was her sin nature. In her sin nature, she conceived me. And then over in 58 of Psalm, verse 3, he said, And they, the wicked, go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Now, let me ask you a question. How does a little old baby come into this world... And uh, he can't even spell lie. He can't say lie. How does he lie? Well, you mothers know. I mean, you're you're in bed. Everything's fine. Uh, All of a sudden, there's a wail goes off over there in that crib that you think the end of the world has come. And you jump up, break your toe, getting over to them. And and, uh, you get there and and pick them up and they're not wet they don't need changing they they've they've just been fed they don't need feeding what's the matter they just lied to you what they want to do is goo and play and and they don't care what time of night it is and they don't care how much sleep you need they just they just lied to you and said I need you I want you. I don't care about you. I I want you to come for me. That's nature, isn't it? I imagine me and Susie said this at least a hundred times a piece. Maybe a thousand. You ever say it, Mama? Now what do you say? What do you say? Well, it may be please, or it may be thank you, or it may be yes, sir, or no, sir, or yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. You know what you got to do is you got you got to say it a hundred times. You got to say it over and over. You know why? Because it's not natural. It's something you teach them that is not natural. In their nature, it's not natural. I heard about that little boy. Went to the birthday party. The lady served him a piece of cake. And he says, thank you, ma'am. She said, oh, I like to hear a little boy say thank you. He said, well, if you put a scoop of ice cream on it, you can hear me say it again. <laughs> our nature is sin, isn't it? Our nature is selfish. Our, our, that's our nature. We... We come into this world and we stay that way if we're not careful. Well, 
Secondly, there's this verse 9. He said, he said in verse 9, verse 8 he said, We deceive ourselves if we say we have no sin nature. Romans said, By one man sin in the world, death by sin. Now death is passed on all men, for that all is sin. That's our nature. Here he says, if we confess our sins, now it's a plural. It's not our nature. It's not, it's not what's naturally in me, but it's what I do. You back there don't answer this question. I'm going to ask these first three rows right here. Why does a dog bark? Huh? I didn't ask you. I said right here. He barks because he's a dog. He may bark more than other dogs. He might bark less than other dogs, but a dog's natural instinct is to bark because sinners sin, don't they? And we all have to, Romans chapter 3 said there's none righteous, no, not one. 3.23 said all, A-L-L, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not, that's not a nature of sin, but that's acts of sin that we commit. And that's, he's, he's talking about the plural sins. Here's what we say. We say, well, Lord, I'm not as bad as old so-and-so. I do pretty good. I've, I'm at church every, every... Oh, yeah, I know I mess up every once in a while, but, but I'm, I hadn't done what they did. How many, how many items do you think's on the shelf down there at Walmart? Thousands, maybe. Thousands of items. They got those little things, that little app on their phone, and they can look at it and tell you what aisle, what number, where that's at in the store, because they don't even know how many items they got. How many items... I mean, there's sections of Walmart I've never been in. There's sections of Walmart I'm not interested in going. There's places over there where they're trying on hose and clothes and stuff that I just soon stay away from. There's some, some of you go to departments I don't go to, right? And I, I like to go to the paint department. I like to go to the hardware that's about as far as I'm interested in going. Sometimes to the sporting goods. I will admit that. But there's whole sections. They've rearranged everything. Susie sends me to the store now for something. I can't find it. There's thousands of items in that Walmart store. But you know what? If you buy one thing, if I want buy one little boat or one little glue bottle or one box of oatmeal or whatever it is, that makes me a customer of Walmart. You don't have to buy the whole store to be a customer of Walmart, right? Thousands. Hey, somebody else may have bought a bunch more than you did. They're a customer of Walmart, but you're a customer of Walmart. We're equal, right? Okay, let's let's go a little further. I doubt there's one person in this room that has ever murdered anybody. If you are, don't don't admit it right now. Well, after the service. I doubt there's one of us. But you know God saves murderers? Adulterers? He saves all kinds of people 
who commit all kinds of sin. And some of them are com- have committed many more sins. But if I say that I have not committed a sin, he said, I've missed it. Sinners sin because they are sinners. And the best I could ever do will come short of the glory of God. That's what Romans 3.23 says. I can't reach there because I have a sin nature and I have committed sins. I may not have committed all the sins ever, but see, one sin cost Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden. One sin. They were perfectly innocent. One sin. Think about the multitude of sins that we have committed. And think about the mercy of God that is long-suffering to usward. And not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Even though we have many sins. And even though we have a sin nature. See, every one of us need to be saved. I don't care where you joined. I don't care where you were baptized. I don't care what kind of version of the Bible you got. I don't care. Uh, You have sin. That's what this whole section of 1 John is about. You have sin and you need a Savior. Every one of us need to be saved. It'll take a confession of sin to be saved. I remember... I remember my oldest boy was three years old. My neighbor was painting that, painting a boat with epoxy paint. And his boy was a hot rodder. And his hot rod was sitting there. I was working on my car. Susie was working in the house. She thought Kevin was with me. I thought he was with her. And she came and said, where's Kevin? I said, I don't know. We began to call him. And after a while, he came out from around the hot rod. And he had epoxy paint all over him, head to toe. Had, had his hands were... I said, Kevin, what, you, what have you been doing? Nothing. I said, have you been in that paint? No, not me. He had painted half the hot rod with white epoxy paint it took me the rest of the day to scrub it off to try to get it off before the neighbor came home you know the reason you laughed at that because you've done it or your kids have done it too we're all sinners that's all it says you can deny it or you can confess it but we're still a sinner and until we confess it we cannot be Clean, but we must, we, we all must have salvation. You see it? Because of our sin nature, I was born a sinner. And because of my sins, I could blame it all on my mom and dad and say, well, I was born because they were sinners, so I'm a sinner. That doesn't buy anything with God because... I've already committed sins worthy of condemnation. And you have too. But until you confess them, you're indebted to God. He's going to hold you accountable. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so, there's plenty of verses. So, we all, everybody needs to be saved. Second truth. I love this one. Everybody can be saved. Chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin. Well, we've just discussed it. Every one of us has sinned. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and He is the propitiation of our sins. The second truth, everyone can be saved. 
probably the greatest truth in the Bible is the fact that before we were ever born, God sent Jesus to the cross for us. He says propitiation. Anybody here know what that means? Propitiation simply means this. The sacrifice that will satisfy God. The sacrifice for my sin that will satisfy God. Propitiation, as it's described in the Bible, goes back, that terminology goes back to to the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. It had a solid gold lid. And on it were the two cherubim. And I, I, I think it's Exodus 25, maybe 20, 25 verse, maybe 22. He said, God said to the people of Israel, right there I'll meet with my people. Right where? Not in the gold, not in the cherubim. The blood will come, that high priest only comes once a year and sprinkles blood on the mercy seat. Somewhere between the cherubim and the mercy seat is the blood. And he said, right there I'll meet with my people. That's the Old Testament look at the cross of Calvary. We could go into... A lot of detail, but it, I don't. I, I, what I want to do is go to the real deal. Isaiah fifty three six. I got two or three verses. Isaiah fifty three verse six says, "All we like sheep had gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord." hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't bear our sins, he was our sin. He became our sin. He became sin for us who knew no sin. Every filthy, wicked deed that we can imagine done by sinners on this earth. He became that sin. No wonder at the Garden of Gethsemane he cried, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He, didn't, he shuddered and, and, and struggled with that sin that he had to bear to the cross. He became. I got some verses wrong. I see over in First uh, Peter, about two pages back from... 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self, let me start in verse 22. He left us an example. Who did no sin, neither guile was found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. God could not commit sin, and the Son of God did not commit sin. But he, his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd, the bishop of your soul. He on the cross. Somebody said when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. The songwriter said that. On that cross, before I was ever born, you were ever born, he bore every sin that I would ever commit. I can't get out of the grace of God because His grace extends further than my sins can reach. 
He separated all of my sins from the east to the west. He's put them in the depths of the sea. He's remembered, put them behind his back. He put them in a bag. He sealed them. And he's remembered them no more against us forever. You and I cannot forgive like that. You and I can't even think like that. But he's God. He's God of very God. Who became flesh, died, and bore our sins to the cross of Calvary. I'm thankful for that kind of a Savior. I don't understand it. Somebody said, well, yeah, but I know I'm saved, but what about those sins that I'll commit after I get saved? Think about this a minute. Maybe it'll explain itself. When you got saved, he had already paid for all your sins or you'd never been saved, right? You couldn't have got saved if you didn't have his salvation blood for, for your salvation, right? And when he was shedding his blood on that cross, you hadn't even been born yet. So all of your sins were future when he forgave your sins. That might not help you, but help me. That song said, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. I wanted to, I wanted to just quote a little of the last verse. And when before the throne, I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save, my lips will still repeat. Think about it. We're all going to the throne and we'll all face the judgment of God. Every one of us need to be saved and every one of us can be saved because Jesus went to the cross for us. Uh, now the Catholic doctrine of absolution is this. You've got to confess your sins before you die. Well, can you confess your sins? I can't even remember my sins. I did, I made those sins that I didn't even recognize were sin. And then I made plenty of them I did recognize were sin. Those willful sins are the sins of neglect. But he's already forgiven my sins for me. And I'm completely washed and made clean. And when before the throne I stand, in Him complete, then my lips will still repeat, He paid it all. I... I was going to explain propitiation. Let me just quickly say it. Romans 3.25, he said, he said that Jesus became a propitiation. He made him to become the propitiation for our sins. He just said in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then in 25, he said, God set forth... He, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that were passed through the forbearance of God. Before you ever needed a Savior, God already had laid the saving plan out. The plan is this, the shed blood of Jesus shed for your soul. You can accept it or you can reject it. That jailer over there in Acts chapter 16, remember the jailer? He said, what must I do to be saved? The simplest explanation in the Bible. Paul and Silas in the chains in the dungeon said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace 
Are you saved through faith? That not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works just any man should boast. So everybody needs to be saved. Everybody can be saved. Look at 5.1 of 1 John. 5.1 of 1 John says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that beget loveth him also that is begotten of him. I can't complete that structure of the propitiation. I'll have to preach that a different time. If you want to know, I'll show it to you after church. I can show you step by step that propitiation sacrifice. But here in, in chapter 5 he says, Whosoever believe that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that beget, loveth him also that is begotten of him. He's going to say that if I'm, he's going, I don't have time to go to these scriptures. In 1 John, he's going to say that if I don't love my brother in Christ, I'm not saved. He's going to say if I don't love the things of God, I'm not saved. He's going to say if I don't love the word of God, I'm not saved. He's going to say, hey, is there something in you? Uh, Donna, Aaron came here last week. He hasn't been here in two years or more. All of a sudden, Aaron shows up on a Sunday morning. You know what's happened? I believe that day that he came down here with Grandpa and got saved, he got really saved. And there's, hey, he hadn't been here. Somebody said, well, I don't know if he's saved or not. Well, it's not up to us to judge him. But here's a good indication that on a Sunday morning, on his own, with no encouragement, he came looking for something from God. That's, that's an indicator of a saved person. How does it happen? Verse 1 says, Whosoever believes is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that beget. That's Jesus. Let me ask you a question. You said, I made a profession of faith two or three years ago. What's your love? You love to go to church? You love to be around the people of God? You love the Word of God? You love the preaching, teaching of the Word of God? Do you love your Bible? Do you love... Do you love to sing these hymns? Do you, what's, what's your love? You can check it out for yourself. You don't need the preacher to tell you. You know in your heart what it is. You just hate coming to church. You're here only because of some kind of duty. I doubt if you're saved. I doubt. You may have come down here, shook the preacher's hand, and cried a bushel of tears, but I doubt if you're saved. There ought to be a love in your heart for the brethren, the people of God, for the Word of God, for the house of God, for the will of God. For, there ought to be some kind of love in you. I, I've got verses over in chapter 3, I think it is. Everybody needs to be saved. Everybody can be saved. But 5.1 says everybody must be saved the same way. There's not but one Savior. There's, I've got a ton of scriptures. You know most of them. But Jesus is the only Savior. Now that used to be pretty easy to say that. Until the Muslim became the fastest growing uh, religion in the United States. And another 10 years, they will be the majority religion in the United States if they keep growing. And they say, if you believe in Jesus, you're an enemy of us. And jihad is this that the iman is going to take your life if you will not 
if you dare to believe in Jesus as your way of salvation. That's where we are. And our society says, don't ever say Jesus. Don't even pray Jesus. Just make it a kind of a a generic, uh, this thing of salvation and service and religion, and everybody can get along. Let me ask you a question. Do you think they're going to get along with us if they believe they must murder every unbeliever in the Koran? I don't think we're going to get along. But whether we get along or don't get along, there's people all over the Ukraine, there's people all over Afghanistan, there's people... uh, all over this world today that are dying because they believe that Jesus is the only Savior. Wake up, America. We have a great nation. We have a great freedom. It was bought with blood of our forebears that we could worship God, the God, the Bible God, through the name of Jesus as it pleases us to do it. Don't lose it, friend. Stand up for what you believe. Hey, everybody needs to be saved. Everybody can be saved. But everybody can only be saved one way. Until that day I surrender my sins and turn from my sins and turn to the Savior and, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I can't be saved. You can play your silly games. You can be churchy. But until you turn your heart to Jesus, you're not saved. He is the only Savior. And the last thing I want to say, the fourth thing. There's some things in that thing when he says, when we say Jesus is the only Savior, see, it'll take a death. It'll take a death on his part, but it takes a death on our part. Dead to sin. Paul said, I'm crucified daily. I give him my heart again and again. Brother John kind of got on it this morning. The dead. And then the last thing. Everybody can know that they're saved. First 13, chapter 5. He said, I've written to you that believe that you may know. Knowing that I'm saved. Uh, somebody said, well, if I ask you if you're saved, what are you going to answer? Somebody said, well, I think I'm saved. I'm trying to be saved. I'm sincere. I had a lady at the chemical plant a few years ago, and she was discussing salvation with me. She didn't know much about it, but she discussed it. She said, the way I look at it, Wayne, it's like this. said, there's many roads to this plant. And you can come any of those roads, but when you get to this plant, you're at this plant. She said, there's probably many roads to heaven. You go any of those roads, just be sincere and go down those roads. One day you'll get to heaven. I said, only two things wrong with that. Heaven is not this plant. And this plant's not heaven. Heaven stands alone. And it doesn't doesn't matter how sincere you are, you can be sincerely lost going down the wrong road. I've been sincerely lost a time or two. Susie's tried to reprimand my sincerity, but I stuck with it. We got a little... I remember calling a preacher. We were 
we were in Atlanta, Georgia. I was preaching at a place out south of Atlanta. And, and they give us, two different guys are giving me instructions on how to get to the church from where we were staying. And that, the sun was going down. And that church was nowhere to be found. So we called the preacher. And Susie said, uh, preacher, we're lost. Uh, what do we do? He said, get over here to church. I said, well, you can get saved. She said, if we could find the church, we'd get there. He said, is the sun on your back or in your face? It was on our back. We had to turn around and go toward the sun before. Well, we, they held the service. We got there in time. You ever been lost? Let me break some bubbles. Joining the church didn't save you. Carrying your Bible didn't save you. Cutting your hair didn't save you. Wearing the right dress didn't save you. What we do does not save us. It took, a, it took a work that only Jesus could do. The more you study these four points, the more you'll understand what a great work He did for you in salvation. You can't substitute Grandpa's religion or Grandma's religion for the work of Christ on the, on the cross of Calvary. It's either the blood or it's nothing. It's either the death on the cross or it's nothing. But if we have been there, he said, I'm right. Hey, you got a book. We got the book. He said, I'm writing this. Uh, these things have are written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you may know that you have everlasting life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Get in your Bible. Find that place and hang on that verse that settles it once and for all with Jesus Christ. Trust and believe on the Lord Jesus for your salvation. And don't let anybody rattle you and don't turn aside from, from, from the calling of God on your life. I was talking to somebody this week. And uh, I, don't, uh, I don't remember who it was. Somebody was talking about these young people. He said, Brother Wayne, we need those young people in our church. Yes, we do. We do need every one of you. Let me say this to you, what he said to me. There's no telling what God could make out of you. No telling what God could do with you. If you just take where you are, you're saved. If you're saved, get saved. If you're not saved. But just where you are, take your Bible, hang on it, study it, read it, look at it. Make it the love of your life and get in service to the Lord. No telling what God's going to do. Right here. Hey, there's some folks out here. I was, I was in my mid-30s before I ever finally surrendered to preach. There's some of you not that old, but you're already laid back and thinking it's too late. I can't serve God. No, you can serve God if you will serve God. If you're saved, He's already put the stuff in you. He said that he, he begets some things in you. And that truth will bear fruit in your life if you'll give it back to Him. Everybody needs to be saved. Everybody can be saved. Everybody must be saved the same way. And everybody can know they're saved. Let's stand. Father, I pray you'd help us to get the truth of it. Help us, Lord, to get a hold of it. I pray, Lord, that we'd quit fooling around and playing our game and thinking about ourselves. But, Lord, that we'd turn our heart toward Jesus. And remember the day that He saved us when we were just out and out sinners. And, Lord, we just needed a Savior, and that's all. But You saved us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And You saved us out of our sins. Now, Lord... We failed you all kinds of ways and we missed 
your will in a many a day. But Lord, I pray this morning you'd help us to come to that place of yielding ourselves over. We either need to be saved or we need to be in your service. We either need to be saved or we need to know that we're saved. I pray, God, that you'd help us to get it settled once and for all. Help us, to, help us not to miss the simple truth of the Word of God. Please take charge with us this service today. Be in this church today. Help us know the presence and power of the Holy Ghost in our lives today. Help us to yield ourselves over to you today. Lord, we love you. I love these brethren here. I love the saints of God. I love the house of God. I'm thankful to be in church. But Lord, let Jesus get all glory in the church today. Please take charge. In his name I pray. Amen. I don't know where you fit. But that Bible is for you. He said, I've written this Bible so you can know that you believe on him. Would you come? God's speaking to you while Brother John singing. What number, Brother? 157. While he's singing, why don't you just do business? These altars are open. You can get, you can get into his presence today. Would you do that? Would you let him have his way with you today? Do you really love him? Has he really saved you? Are you doing what he's called you to do today? What we say?
Thank you for being here this morning. I've got a fresh message for tonight, I, and I promise you it's not a very long message. Just, just I just got something fresh uh, yesterday, and I just need to share it with you. So uh, come back tonight, 6 o'clock, and let's worship the Lord together. Let's love each other. Show it. Brother John? Let's be. With a chorus, let's sing Blessed Assurance. 506. On the chorus. Let's 